0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rematch Mobility podcast series. I'm here with Harold Pechnick out of uh, our Graz office, expert in cybersecurity, and with Mick Winship, uh, North American CTO. Um, welcome, guys, and uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, I want to talk about cybersecurity. So cybersecurity, uh, I got into it maybe seven, eight years ago when it really came into the automotive space very, very hard and very strong and many OEMs, uh, certainly in the US, but also in Europe and globally, uh, really jumped on it. Many companies established themselves as solution providers. And then I felt like after three or so years, it kind of cooled off a little bit, but now it feels like it's, it's back on again. And maybe just like fuel cells that we've talked over 20 years is coming. Uh, and now we believe it's really coming. Is now the time Harold? is cybersecurity really now here? I know in Europe, for example, there's regulations now, so maybe that helps, but what is your your global perspective as it relates to cybersecurity, not just something that, let's just be blunt and say something we talk about or do a little bit something about, but something that we're really
1: doing a concerted effort in and and are serious about now? Mm That's a good question, um, Stefan. Yeah, I think it's like a hype cycle. There was a hype before. It cooled down in between, and now it starts again. And, of course, regulation is a huge driver for cybersecurity, especially in Europe. We have now the UNECE regulation 155, which maintains to the OEMs that they have to integrate cybersecurity by design the complete vehicle process. And it doesn't stop at start of production, we have also to consider the complete in-use phase. So when the vehicle is riding on the road until end of life. Um, And this is, of course, now another wave or another spin of the topic, in my opinion. Hmm. Mick, from the U.S. side, we, we, we see
0: oftentimes lots of regulation in the European market that somewhat then I don't want to say watered down to the to the rest of the world, but certainly kind of gets pushed outside of Europe. And in the U.S., we have traditionally seen, we, we, we adopt a lot of things uh, from regulations perspective, guidelines, technologies, but not necessarily to the extreme maybe of making it, writing it into law. What, what do you see as it relates to cybersecurity happening in the U.S.? Well, we don't have a law yet, but what, what do you foresee in the next five years happening there?
2: I I think it will become more and more uh, prevalent here. I think because we have the regulations in Europe, uh, North America will at some point have to follow. We have a number of global manufacturers here who supply uh, vehicles to to Europe. um, The regulation also covers Japan. So um, it's in everybody's interest to do things efficiently. We don't want one kind of architecture for vehicles in europe if you're if you're a global manufacturer and that's um, something different here so i I think globalization from the the vehicle manufacturer's point of view will drive some amount of consolidation and and hopefully a, a one 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 size fits all approach i think that the second piece is um, that there was Um, SAE and ISO developed a new standard 21434 which if you follow 21434 that will help you achieve compliance and I think we will to your point perhaps adopt guidelines and standards more than we we will adopt regulations. I think 21434 will help I think um, globalization and, and the fact that we have global manufacturers will help too. And I think As the industry is changing, and and we've all heard for for quite some time now, that the vehicle is becoming more and more software-orientated. It's becoming more and more software-defined. That makes the vehicle potentially more vulnerable. And I think as that increases, we will have to protect the vehicle. And and software-defined vehicle is definitely accelerating. Maybe that's going up the hype curve very quickly, too. so. So that's how I see it, I think. Uh, globalization standards and, and the change in the vehicle architecture to software will make this a, a requirement. Right.
0: Harold, maybe going back to what, what Europe has enacted and and you calling it the entire development process, but it, it also goes into after sale, right? So for I think is there a certain amount of years for how long an OEM needs to guarantee that a uh, a vehicle is protected after I sold it? And, and if so, does that then mean every vehicle that comes out either has to have a cellular connectivity so I can do over-the-air updates of when vulnerabilities are found? Or does that mean the dealership suddenly gets so much more busy because now more and more cars, not quite recalled, but have to be asked to come back to the dealership to, to get a software
1: update? How, how, is,
0: how, how should we look at it that way?
1: at the moment there's also a big struggle how how you really implement all that because a lot of cars nowadays on the street the new vehicle types which have to comply at the moment uh, they have also not so much the functionality in to do continuous software update over the air right so uh, also the industry is looking now on concepts how to guarantee this lifecycle approach um, I mean basically software update over the airs guarantees that the vehicle is maintained over the complete life cycle it's not a one time production one time development it's really a continuous development of the complete vehicle over time and if you really take a look on cybersecurity at the end we have to go into this mode that vehicles are continuously updated especially on the cybersecurity side because when you have detected an incident on the street, and you also figured out that this incident is severe and could affect the complete fleet of the OEM could affect the security of the pedestrians, the security of the car holder at the end it's really the one and only measure to have a security update Mm -hmm. Um, so it goes hand in hand with the vehicle architectures if you think towards central central compute units like um, Tesla has implemented at the moment, Um, I think it has to go hand in hand. The architectures, they have to enable software updates, but we need also a good incident control, incident response to see what is happening out there and to deliver software updates whenever it is needed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe from a
0: Let's do a, a question purely for the US side, and then mm-hmm. Harold, we have the same question for you, but from a more, let's say, European or global perspective. In, in the US, when it comes to electric vehicles, what, what most people are talking about from a concerns perspective is right is, is range and, and, and can I charge my vehicle? When it comes to ADAS, level two to level three it's you know is it safe or oh i don't like this stuff i turn it off as soon as i get into my car because i even hate the steering wheel shaking when i you know when i get over the line or get to the line too close i don't hear much about cyber security people oh i'm concerned that my car is going to get hacked is it just because i don't hear it but it's very much out there or is it is it on a much lower level than what we hear people concerns shared about ADAS features and and, and range anxiety or, or infrastructure, or, or what do you see, Mick?
2: I think it, it, it's okay, I think it's at, at the beginning. People haven't. I think, you know If somebody gets a, a, attacked, that that's going to change everything. It it will make things more visible. It's very similar to some of the A.S. development and and things become very high profile when an autonomous vehicle slides under a truck in in, in the sunlight. So I think um, an attack will bring much more awareness. I think the other part is perhaps as an education element to this, everybody is comparing the 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 future vehicle and how it's going to be software designed to it's essentially a a cell phone on on wheels. And we we know how many updates we go through. We know we can be vulnerable through our cell phone. We know how many spam calls we get and and so on. So I think there's an education part of what's not so much what's here now, but really what's going to come. And if we go to subscription models and we go to more and more customized vehicles, vulnerabilities increase, the degree degree of protection has got to increase from, from the engineering side, but from a consumer point of view, you are more vulnerable or potentially more vulnerable. So I think there's an education thing, and I think the parallels that are drawn in, in the industry about cell phone on wheels is is one way to, to do that, because that's something that everybody relates to every, every moment of the day at the moment. Oh. I think there's perhaps a degree that the people take the car for granted today, but the, the, the car is going to change going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. And then maybe Harold, from a from a global perspective, uh, what do you see? And again, I think as Mick alluded, it's, it's maybe until something major happens. Everybody kind of says the things that have happened, well, they've been nice guys and it wasn't a big deal. It didn't impact me, right? We're so used to downloading new apps on the phone without thinking twice and on the computer... I don't know, maybe our IT organization does too good of a job to not have a, an issue every other day. But clearly, if you Google it, you find plenty of them um, where something happened. What do you see in the rest of the world, Out, let's say outside for the US for a moment? What, what, is, what, is the, what are people talking about there?
1: Yes, I think in the past, um, a lot of these incidents, maybe hacks, were a little bit more unknown Now we can see that the industry is really focusing on the topic and it's getting more and more transparent about vulnerabilities. If we look in the vulnerability databases, for example, we can see more and more entries for automotive vulnerabilities. We can see also that the car is getting more and more connected to the pedestrians, to the networks, to vehicle, to vehicle, to vehicle, to infrastructure, vehicle to cloud. Vehicle to grid, for example, is also a topic. And so the attack surface gets gets wider and wider. It's not only the car, mm-hmm. the embedded software in the car, it's also apps which are connected to the car, or it's also the charging station which is connected to the car, where you have mm-hmm. also critical payment data, critical functionality. And uh, if you look, for example, at the percentage of hacks um, 35% of the attacks today, they are on the, on the server side. So telematic server, application server, which are more or less more on the OEM side. But mm-hmm. 40% is really the vehicle and the complete infrastructure. That means infotainment uh, units in the car, ECUs in the car, remoteless, keyless entry systems but also the applications, the mobile application and the charging infrastructure and um, this gets also transparent and I think if we work together in the complete industry, we have to share this knowledge and we have to share also in databases what is known and what is pretty unknown and where we need solutions today. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's there certainly some, uh, what is it, Automotive ISEC, I think, there's a, there's some organizations, right, where some of this information comes together. That's certainly, uh, I think, an important industry group that helps because, again, as, as in so many other areas, one OEM or one company alone can't can't all handle all these things, so we got to work together. But maybe let, let's shift a little bit more into maybe the technology, Harold. And, and, what what has changed from from five years ago to today and what you see going forward over the next five years from a from a technology from what we're doing as it relates to protecting a vehicle from cyber attacks i mean one thing is clear and you alluded to it right maybe five years ago there weren't as many uh, vehicles connected before via telematics services and apps that are sitting in the cloud but i can do things in the car i didn't necessarily able to open up my car with my smartphone or get out of the car, press a button on my smartphone and it parks itself. I mean, there's more and more, as we've seen over the last 15 years, technology, not only from the automotive space, but also from the, let's just say, consumer electronics space, getting into integrated into the vehicle, which certainly has opened up more vulnerabilities. But give us a little history over the last five years, what has happened and what do you see next happening? Again, more technology focus here of what OEMs have to do specifically as it relates to cybersecurity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I would like to do that. Yes. Uh, I think in the past, software was also seen a little bit as really deeply embedded um, software. And uh, it wasn't really easy to figure out um, how we can really hack this software because it was so um, deeply embedded as well. And now also we see in the car that a lot of functions, technologies from the traditional IT sector are going into cars and into apps. And um, what we see today is that the industry is much more prepared and is ramping up also knowledge from the IT area to the vehicle. And we see for example a lot of departments which are now new in the EE architecture divisions of the OEMs where our security architects are really thinking about what are the threats, what are the risks um, in the vehicle and the infrastructure. And based on this threat and risk assessment um, cybersecurity goals are derived, and also the cybersecurity concept is designed. So I think cybersecurity is not only something we have done a little bit in the past. Uh, it is really now integrated in the development process of vehicle, and um, also the ISO standards. What uh, Mick mentioned before, uh, 21454, they give now also some practices. Uh, what we can do to secure the vehicles. Um, it's about the TARA analysis, the threat analysis. It's, it's about how we do the testing of the cyber security implementation. And um, I think this structure, these methods, were not um, known before or not so good specified before. And now it's more and more coming into the development process. I think it's still a way now to really then um, make it more tangible and more detailed what needs to be done. We have at the moment a a rough concept, but it's a first release of the regulation and of the standards. But I think over time it will develop the same as the safety ISO 26262 developed over time. And we will get a more accurate uh, view um, what really needs to be implemented that we are secure for the life cycle.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: And Mick, I want to I, I wanna take
0: you maybe 20 years back when you first maybe got in, uh, involved heavily in, let's say, engine and engine controller designs, right? Because I, I see a little bit of an analogy there that maybe back then we certainly didn't call it cybersecurity, but I'm convinced OEMs back then, certainly when I was in an OEM, we were concerned that the, uh, the tuners, as we called them back then, I think you maybe still call them this uh, today, into an engine controller and get this engine that was whatever good for 220 horsepower to trying to get it to you know the 320 350 or whatever it is and i i know from my past and that's where i like you to chime in a little bit how much was was that a topic Oh, you have to protect the ecu that that can't happen uh because i know some oems that kind of at least marketed themselves to some degree as we're a tuner car, we're, we're open, we allow you to do it. Do you see an analogy to what we're seeing now with cybersecurity? Maybe what back then some companies already said your software, we need to protect, we need to make sure that through an OBD connection or direct access to an ECU, you cannot again tune an engine that it's way past what it's really uh, developed for. Can you maybe little bit? Yeah. Sure? I, 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 I,
2: yeah. I would say it's definitely analogous. I I actually think that the scope and and potential for trouble or abuse is is larger because Mm -hmm. um, 20 years ago, yes, the people would chip and and change things and and want to modify things for for performance and going on the track or, or it became a product function that does the crankshaft make it, does the rod make it, does the piston make it and, and and whatever and what happens about warranty and those type of topics so I think it was real land but I think that the potential to change things and impact things is is much more than just a, a, an engine failure or you end up on the side of the road yeah. and then there's a warranty discussion between you, the, the dealer, and, and, and the OEM. I think that the potential for damage now is, is, is much broader. It goes into the electronic system. It could cause a, um, a hardware failure on an electric vehicle or, or conventional vehicle, but the, the scope now, I think, is much much larger. So definitely analogous. How, how do you handle um, the aftermarket. How do you handle the people that want to make a modification to a car? Because that that's never going to change. And uh, but the degree of impact, I think, is larger, and the degree of um, it, it increases the degree of vulnerability to to an extent. Because it, what 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 more do you have to protect than than you did before? Mm-hmm.
0: Harold, as it relates to cybersecurity, I mean, I think you alluded to it, or we all kind of talked about it, it's, it's essentially a, over the last eight years, or the last 10 years, let's just say, a, a, a new industry segment in the, in the mobility space has been developed not only by the OEMs, and you said some OEMs now have their own you know, departments for cybersecurity or part of EE architecture. We certainly have a, an ever-growing uh, supply base with, with software technologies or other technologies and we have it for from the development side, to the integration, to the monitoring, to the testing. What is next? Where is the biggest growth? Is it in, in, in cybersecurity products that an OEM can take and essentially flash their modules with and protect them? Is it into similar what may be in the IT space where we, where we monitor a lot of things and then react to a threat and constantly have to update, let's say, our firewalls? Um, is it more in the testing? Is it more in the at the beginning with, with much more stricter and much more specific specifications on how software has to be developed? Is it on the hardware where we protect hardware from even accessing?
1: Where is it? Hmm. That's a good question. Maybe it's a little bit of odd. <laughs> yeah. No, I will, I will try to answer. So um, I think on the technology side, the technology, what is in the car to protect um, from entrance to the outside. So I think about secure gateway, for example, I think about um, encryption in the car, I think about uh, authentication, for example, of the in-vehicle network to the components. So if two components uh, uh, communicate to each other that there is a strong authentication. Um, I think about also encryption of data which goes out of the the car into the back end of the OEM. Uh, I think all this technology, um, there is growth in the future because security has to be behind the traditional functionality of the car. The car holder is buying things because he wants to have outstanding functionality and an outstanding user experience and security should not hinder it that this functionality come to life so we need good protection behind that uh, which is which is working and the second part I see is of course the tooling side um, because there is IT tooling available and this needs to be tailored to automotive as well um, so that's, that's the good thing that we have something available uh, we need to make it automotive specific um, and also, the integration, so engineering services uh, to help um, OEMs and the industry will also come very important, especially on the testing side, because we need to do testing and a lot of test procedures today is not really automated, and there's a huge lack of capacity of experienced people as well to perform penetration testing, for example. Um, so, we need a little bit of both. I, I see it on the Technology that protect. I see it on the engineering services, and I see it on the tooling to make the complete process efficient and also productive, so that we can also uh, spend reasonable effort on the um, on the things and not too uh, much and overloading ourselves. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe final question, uh, and make it A little, little provocative. Maybe we, we mm-hmm. we've talked about cybersecurity here, and we talked about that for you know maybe eight or ten years ago. It's kind of first came up, then it kind of again cooled off, and now is. I think mm-hmm. Harold will be fair to say it's here to stay, and it's 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 increasing in importance. AI, We've, we read a lot over the last several months about AI, not just because ChatGPT came out and people are impressed, but many, many other tools at the same time, maybe even more impressive than that. But we're talking about AI in vehicles. Is, is it something similar as to what we're talking about with cyber, what, what a cyber attack could do if, uh, if not protected? Is AI similar? Now we're starting to use AI, obviously, for autonomous driving or even in ADAS. We're starting to use it for uh, battery prediction models where we send things up in the cloud and how a car drives, how a battery cell performs to to calculate range, safety, a lot of different things. Is AI the next thing that we're gonna talk maybe in five years about? How do we make sure AI by itself doesn't learn past its intended learning? Uh, what is your perspective,
2: Dara, as our CTO? I I think that's a really um, that's a really good question. I, I I think we have to think about that. I, I think um, AI can can help everybody, but for, for people that um, think differently or want to be malicious, then you can you can do anything. I mean, and and you can do it with speed. You, you, Chat GPT, everybody is is out there. You can give it some keywords. We were at an event the other week for a surprise party. Somebody gave keywords and it wrote a poem. And so you can it can do anything you want. And the people that want to, it can certainly change the, the, the drive quality and the driving experience for, for the good. But it's another vulnerability or that we have to to protect for because there will be people that will take advantage of it and and use it in um, not so nice ways so i think it's definitely on the horizon and something as an industry we need to be really um, responsive to because all of a sudden it's here we've talked about ai for years chat gpt has made it very very public very high profile very very quickly And it will get a life of its own if we're not careful. All right. Very good. Thank you,
0: Harold. Thank you, Mick. And thanks for tuning in to the Reimagine Mobility podcast series.
1: Thanks for listening to Reimagine Mobility podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.